Knowing that he won't fail, let's start off with a question for ourselves this morning. And that question is, what is your purpose here? Why has God called you by the gospel, saved and redeemed you by the blood of Jesus Christ? Is it to just sit here right now and receive? Is it to, thank you, is it to collect as many toys as you want? Is it to put all your hopes and dreams in the world? No. You are here as saved, forgiven, redeemed children of God to tell others about Jesus. To tell others that Jesus Christ died on the cross to forgive you and them of all their sins. To share with others that he has defeated sin and death and the devil. That's why you're here. That is what is the most important mission of the church. The most important mission of this church and every church is to witness, to share to others, to show, to spread the love of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. Period. Today, we conclude this fun little teaching series that we've been calling, That's in the Bible? With a look into the book that a few of you have come up to me and said, Pastor Scott, I've never heard a message preached from this book. Would you do it? And I said, sure, why not? We're looking at the book of Revelation. But why is that? Why, why are, are, are some pastors, some, some, some synods, some denominations afraid to look at this book? Is it a challenging book? Yeah, for sure. Is it an exciting book? Yeah. Is it an important book? Yeah, why? Because it's one of the 66 that's in there. It's an important book. And so I can't answer for them why they don't do it, but, but what I can say is that we're going to cast fear aside. And, and knowing that the Holy Spirit is on our side and the Holy Spirit is leading us as we dig into Revelation 12 this morning, he's going to work. So Revelation 12 is where we're going to be. I invite you to open up your Bible or your Bible app. Revelation 12, 1 to 6. But before we get into Revelation itself, it's important that you understand what we believe when we read this book of Revelation. So we believe, we teach here at, at this church, at Lutheran Memorial, that right now, friends, we are living in the end times. We have been living in the end times since Jesus ascended into heaven. So the things happening now are the same things that have been happening for centuries. Wars and rumors and wars, those types of things. So as we read and, and teach this book of Revelation, it's important for us to understand that we don't look this, at, at this as a linear approach. Okay, It's cyclical. So, so we are living in the last days until Jesus comes back again to take us home and create a new heavens and a new earth. Okay, that's where we have to start. That's where we have to understand where we're coming from. So this, this book of Revelation now, while unique, actually proclaims the gospel of Jesus throughout and empowers the church for her mission. What mission is that? Right? What is the mission of the church? 
Why are we here? We talked about this, right? But to tell others of Jesus and his love. But how important is this mission? Well, for anyone of, yeah, you guys are starting to answer. You've known me for a while now, right? So, so anyone who knows me or has known me over the past seven years knows that the mission of the church, not just this church, but the church at large, is of the utmost importance. It has been proclaimed and taught from the moment I step foot in this building. Because that's all it is. This is the building. You're the church. And that's because right now, as we live in these, the last days, people are dying and going to hell. People are being torn from the truth of Scripture and believing the lies of the devil. And that's not okay. I'm not okay with this, and you should not be okay with this. You're the church. You're the body of Christ. It's to be your mission just as much as it is mine. I'm not going to be here someday. What then? Will this body of Christ carry on with the mission of God set before them? Thank you. I think so. So how important is this message? How important is this message, this mission of sharing Jesus with the world? Well, let's look at the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 12. We're going to walk through this verse by verse. Revelation chapter 12, beginning with verse 1. But before we dig in, what do we need to do? We need to pray. Father God, we need to pray. We need to come to you. We need to seek your will, your guidance as we dig into your most holy words. So we pray that you send your Holy Spirit upon this place. And my words may be your words as we proclaim the truth and love of your Son, Jesus Christ, in all its purity. Let that same Holy Spirit work in the hearts of these, your children, that they may be moved to understand even more the mission of you have set them on, to know you, to show you, and to share the love of your Son, Jesus Christ, in whatever they say and do. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so here we go. Revelation. Everyone's been waiting for it, or at least a few of you. Revelation 12, 1. And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of 12 stars. This great sign appeared in heaven, a woman. So let's stop here for a moment. The sign of, of, of the woman appears in heaven. You know what this means? This means that her presence is before God. That she is from God. That she is related to his saving presence because she is in heaven. But who is this woman? This woman represents God's people. This woman represents all God's people, all Old Testament, all New Testament people, then and now people. This woman represents all the people of God, both Israel and the Church of Christ. Now, this woman is clothed with the sun. She's clothed with the brilliance of Christ. Chad talked about being clothed, right? She's clothed with the brilliance of Christ. God has put around her, 
Nothing she has done. God has put around her this brilliant sunlit glory that in Christ and because of him, she stands in God's holy presence. So you and me, the church, we stand before God in this glorious presence because of Christ. Pretty awesome. Now, the next few words talk about how the moon is under her feet. So what this is, this is a, this is a symbol of, of dominion and authority. Okay, This is a symbol of dominion and authority that the woman exercises as she carries out her mission. Her mission given by who? God. And so while she carries out this mission of taking this name of Jesus anywhere and everywhere, this mission she is given by God, she does it with a crown on her head. What is the crown on her head but the victor's wreath? Indicating that because of the Christ child, because of Christ, God's people are victorious. Keep moving on. 12-2. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains in the agony of giving birth. So, the, the woman is pregnant, crying out in these birth pains and, and, and this agony of giving birth. So, so, yes, first we have to understand these birth pains represent the coming of Jesus in the flesh. So the woman is also representative of Mary. but also the mother of all believers. Mary's not the mother of all believers. Mary gave birth to Jesus, but she is not the mother of all believers. She gives birth to the Messiah. So this this woman represents the faithful people of God, right? As faithful people of God, what are you out there doing? What are you out there telling? Oh, you're doing and telling the mission of God. You're telling the mission of Jesus, So this woman represents the faithful people of God who long for the Messiah to come back as well. All right? So so that's what's going on here. And while this is all going on, another sign appeared. Look at this. Look at Revelation 12.3. John doesn't waste time. He says, And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on his head seven diadems. This is fun. First, it's, it's another sign. But notice the words used. It's just another sign. The first sign was a great sign. Look at back at verse 1. It's a, a great sign that was in the heavens. This time, it's just a, another sign. So it's not as important as the first sign. But this sign is of a great red dragon. The great red dragon is... Satan, deceptive, sneaky Satan. Why is he deceptive, though? Why why do we say he's deceptive? Why do we say he is, is sneaky? Well, look at the description that is given of him. He's got seven heads. Seven is a complete number, right? So, so seven heads here. Satan is saying here that he, and not Jesus... 
is the spirit that has knowledge to supervise all things on earth. Then on each of the heads is a diadem. Seven total. And what this is, is this is Satan proclaiming that he is the all-powerful one. He has lordship over all the earth, saying that he is the royalty. Then you add in those ten horns. This means that Satan says he has supreme power over all the earth. All of the ten horns symbolize power that has been given by him under his consent to do his work and by his guidance. So Satan, the dragon, is attempting to pass himself off as having this power over all of the people, over all of the kingdom on the earth. That's what's going on here. But what is this? It's a lie. This is a a huge, massive lie. But for all who believe, all who are deceived by this dragon, you know what it spells? Doom. It spells doom. And we can't forget the color of the dragon. What's the color? Red. Red symbolizes murder and bloodshed. So what is this dragon doing? If he's lying and he's deceiving all these people, or trying to pull all these people away from the truth, what is he doing? Look, look at this first part of verse 4 in Revelation 12. It says this, His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. So this dragon's whipping his tail around, and he knocked down a third of the stars from heaven. To where? The earth. So what is this? This is a third of the angels, guys. The stars represent angels here. So a third of the angels fell, right? Satan said, you want to be on my team? We're going to go and take on God. We're going to fight him. And a third of the angels went with him, and guess what? They lost. We learned about stars being angels earlier in Revelation 1.16. So if you want to go back, that's where that is. So what you have here is John doing a dramatic retelling of Satan and a third of these angels rebelling against God. These angels bought into the lies. They bought into deception of Satan. And because of it, they fell. They were knocked down just like him to this earth. Now look at the rest of verse 4. This is where it really starts to get fun. The dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. The dragon, Satan, stood before the woman waiting for the birth of of her child so that he might destroy it. Not the woman. He doesn't want to destroy the woman right now. He wants to destroy the child. This deceptive dragon, Satan sees this opportunity to destroy Jesus as he took on flesh. He would do anything. He would go to any lengths 
to get rid of Jesus, including the slaying of the innocents. What is that? Oh, that's back to the gospel reading Tony read for us. Matthew 2, 16 to 18, where Herod killed all the male children, two and under. So Satan is just lying in wait, ready to jump and to destroy this child. Then verse 5. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron, but her child was caught up to God and to his throne. The woman gives birth to a son. It says a male child, a son. And one who is to rule with a rod of iron. But here's the thing, as quickly as we hear of the birth, it says that this child is snatched up to God and to his throne. What just happened here? What did, what did John just do here? In a matter of a few words, John details the entire ministry of Jesus. That's what he's doing here. The incarnation, the entire ministry of his time here on this earth, the passion, the death, the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus Christ wrapped up in those words, snatched up to God and to his throne. Friends, what John is doing here, he's emphasizing the whole reason why Jesus came. The final outcome of what Jesus came to do. The final outcome of his incarnation, his passion, death, and resurrection is to get to his ascension. His ascension that demonstrates victory over the dragon. His ascension that demonstrates victory over not only the dragon, but all the forces of evil, and yes, even death. Jesus is exalted here. Not the dragon. Not Satan. Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, is now exalted here because he is victoriously sitting at the right hand of God, awaiting his time to come back again. And yet, time and time again, throughout his life, the dragon tried to destroy Jesus. But it never happened. So Jesus ascended. He was caught up to God. But what about the woman? What about the woman? What about the church? What about her? What happens next? Look at Revelation 12, 6. The woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1,260 days. Now I know this is something you're going to just get lost on the numbers. Don't. 1,260 days, that's three and a half years. What does it mean? It just 
it just symbolizes the length of time that the woman, the church, will be on earth in exile and that God will care for her. That's it. Layman terms, this, this number signifies a period of persecution and testing for God's people. All the while where she will be nourished. We can't forget that part. It says it in there. Friends, we are living in the wilderness of Revelation right now. All around us, what do we see? But the dragon attacking. Satan using people and politics, money and sports and jobs, everything and anything to attack, to, to pull God's people away. Every day we, God's children, are under attack. And so often, because we're under attack, it feels that we're left alone. Wandering in the wilderness by ourselves. Wondering if, if God even cares. Or if he'll even ever show up for us. Friends, I get it. I've been there too. Sometimes we have to endure. Sometimes we have to struggle. Sometimes we have to learn from our mistakes. Yet every time, God remembers us. Every time. Amidst the despair, amidst the pain, amidst the frustration, he remembers us. He nourishes us. God's word, Revelation 12, 6, said that while she, the church, God's people, have fled into the wilderness, she, the church, God's people, you and me, will be nourished. Daily. Daily, he richly provides us what we need. What do you need today that he provides? What do you need today as the dragon pursues, what do you need daily that he and he alone richly provides? Jesus. Forgiveness. Grace. Undeserved love. And where is this found? It's found in Jesus, but it's then found in the, the Bible and found in the church. God's people, the woman. God's people sharing and caring, loving and serving. God providing everything we need as found in his word, lived out by his spirit in the lives of who? You, me, his children, the church. Friends, the dragon is not going to stop. not we're gonna have to fight and we're gonna have to suffer but we will not be overtaken we will not lose for christ is one he's one for you he's one for me he's one for all and he's crowned us with his glory so a question to end our message might sound familiar. Church, 
What is your purpose here? Why has God called you by the gospel, saved and redeemed you by the blood of Jesus Christ? Is it to just sit here and receive? Is it to collect as many toys as you want? Is it to put all your hopes and dreams in the world? No! You are here as a saved, forgiven, redeemed child of God to tell others about Jesus, to tell others that Jesus Christ died on the cross to forgive you and them of all their sins, to share with others that he has defeated sin and death and the devil. That's why you're here. For the church and her mission are the most important aspects of human experience and world history. For she bears the cross of Christ and the love of God. The cross and love that extends to the ends of all the earth. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.